to me, I think returns is really important. It shouldn't be the only thing that you look at, but I think it's important to have an idea of like, okay, a class A, B, C, maybe I, I won't even go into D because I don't invest in these, <laughs> but like understanding that each class is going to have a different return profile. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I am your host, as always, Yona Weiss. And with me today, we have... Lisa Hilton. Great to have you here on the show. She is the host of another incredible podcast. I hope you guys go check that out. We'll put the link there, the Level Up REI podcast. That's REI for real estate investing. Lisa, what's going on? How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing awesome. Can't complain. Well, good for that's that's good to hear. I mean, I'm happy to happy to be join uh, you joining me today, and just love to hear more about what you what you got working on. I know you recently made a big transition from corporate mm-hmm. America into yeah. full time uh, real estate <laughs> investing. So, so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, um, I made the decision in. March of this year to give notice. And um, then it took about a month to transition from out of my job and then to leave. Uh, so that way to give enough time, you know, because it was right near quarter end. And for us in uh, pub- in accounting and taking care of books and all that stuff, quarter end is definitely uh, a big really big push this time of year right now. You can't just like leave in the middle of a quarter. (laughs) (laughs) Some people do, but you know, if you're not trying to burn bridges, it's not a good thing. You know, it's not a good luck. So I wasn't really interested in burning bridges. They have been awesome to me. They've been my largest investor in this new chapter. Really? Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Um, In terms of like financially, that job has really helped me to build the foundation for this new chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really, I'm grateful for it and it's been a really good experience. So, so yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So now, yeah, you're, yeah. now you're full-time in, in real estate. I mean, what's, uh, what's your focus? What, what do you see? Yeah. Your, what do you see your vision? Let's say, let's just start there. Sure. Let's just jump like, let's go all in. Like, let's... Yeah, 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 yeah. So my long, 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 long-term vision is to be, um, it's a, it's to run like a fun shop um, that it specializes in resistant recession, recession resistant real estate. There we go. Um, so my specialty is multifamily, but I'd like to get to a place perhaps with some who's um, as opposed to trying to figure out all the hows on my own mm. to eventually partner with other people who are really good at their unique abilities in uh, mobile home parks and self storage sure. um, and ATM to then offer investors funds that give them exposure across recession-resistant asset classes. Gotcha. Uh, so their 50K would go into a fund that gives them exposure to this. And gotcha. it could be a blind fund or it could be a fund that the deals are already identified. 
I'm a little bit conservative by nature. So I do like, uh, you know, having the deals previously identified. And mm-hmm. I feel that it's possible, especially with time growing my uh, network, that chance, a lot of times I'll get like multiple deals at one time and it would be really nice to to bundle them up into an offering mm-hmm. to investors. And I feel like that is a really great way fund managers can add value to investors uh, in the sense that they can then provide these kinds of opportunities that uh, strictly offer operators probably can't. Right. And and it also allows for more diversification, which uh, obviously that's uh, a conservative element, which allows you to kind of balance risk, uh, right? Yeah. Across, across different types of properties. And you have, I mean, you talk about building like a fund, you know, and yeah. building different types of funds that you have a little background in that, right? I mean, that, yes. that's where, where you're coming from uh, in corporate. Exactly. So I spent 10 years at PwC auditing funds. I'm originally from the Cayman Islands. And when I started in Cayman, uh, we only had funds. It's not like as though I had a choice. Like that's all there was. Um, so you either were doing fund audits, like the traditional fund audits, or there were insurance captives or banks. That was it. And it just so happened that I was on funds and that's what, yeah, that's what I was on. And then from there, I went to Boston and I was on alternatives. Mm -hmm. So lots of hedge funds, private equity funds, venture capital. Uh, And then from there to after four years in Boston, I came out here to LA and my entire career has been been funds until I left after 10 years to go work for a fund manager who raises funds. So I went from auditing funds to now being on the operational side of funds, um, doing the accounting, calling capital, making distributions, running the management fee calcs, the promote waterfall calcs, um, and then just reporting, providing investors with their quarterly reporting so that way they know how their money is doing. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I mean, when someone like you has this experience that is a little bit more unique, you know, that you have this already pre-existing experience in real estate and the exposure to that and different types and funds are things that are, you know, the way that the vast majority of the world in terms of, uh, you know, corporations and these kind of things invest, right? You talk yeah. about, uh, publicly traded companies and, and, uh, investment funds or private equity. I mean, these are all mm-hmm. like the biggest, uh, companies, the biggest investors in the world and they're Correct. all set up that way. Right. So yep. it's kind of taking a, almost like bird's eye view of instead of building from the ground up, where mm-hmm. a lot of people just kind of start out small. You got people that start out in single families yeah. <laughs> and then they buy their first multifamily and then maybe try to bring on a syndication with some investors. But you can take that experience of right. kind of seeing a bigger picture and seeing the potential of what you can do and uh, and applying that to, you know, to wherever you are in that stage. So I think that's, that's really special. That's something a little bit unique about you. I just wanted to bring that up to our listeners if, uh, if they didn't yeah. know that yet. I appreciate that. You know, I always, as someone listening, you know, Yona, I think one thing I always tell people is you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them going backwards. And sometimes, you know, uh, people will ask me if I've ever regretted any decision that I made. And the truth is, everything that has happened to you is bringing you to where you are. You just sometimes need to, like, take that different perspective. And it took me a while to sort of see how all these different things would would come into where it is now. So, yeah. I think it's so important. And, I mean, it's important for 
for me as well, you know, just hearing that, but I think everyone who's listening to this can relate to that somehow. You, you, everyone has a totally different path to get to where they are now. And you should use that, right? Mm-hmm. Figure out what those skill sets, what those things that you've learned along the way that you can now apply to whatever it is that you want to do going forward, right? I mean, we all have goals. We all have, uh, you know, mm-hmm. dreams. We all have uh, desires, things that we can project or we can see into the future what right. we would like our lives to be like or what we would like to do. You know, maybe we have an idea. I want to create this or I want to do that. Use your experiences, right, to fulfill that. I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's awesome. 100%. 100%. So you, now you're out in LA, right? You're yes. living the life. And <laughs> I mean, I don't, to be honest, I come from, I, I grew up in LA and uh, I don't envy you so much because I don't really like California so much, but uh, that's my personal, but there's a lot of great, I mean, there's a great climate uh, out there. Yeah. I got some great activities. Uh, I mean, right. I know you put in here, you, you're a very active person, right? You do a lot of things, but you, yes. one thing you wrote over here in your, in your bio, I'm just curious mm-hmm. about, and we spoke with it briefly, you like to go to wine country and getaways. And I, I wanted to bring this up because I actually like, I like to hear about that. Like, what, what do you, uh, I mean, California is notorious. You got a lot of great wine out there. Where, where are you, where are you going? Like up in yeah, California, totally, totally. Ventura County? What, tell me. So my favorite, some of my favorite places to do wine getaways is Santa Barbara. It's oh, yeah. driving distance from LA. Sure. So it's about maybe an hour, hour and a half. I would say maybe an hour and a half to two hours, if that. I would like to go up into Santa Barbara. Um, and some of my favorite vineyards, um, one of my favorite vi- vineyards is called Beckman, but near Beckman Vineyards are a couple other vineyards that are also in that area that are also really good mm-hmm. and just really good wine. I love Beckman because it's biodynamic wines. And it just so happened that I have a friend, she's a sommelier that I met right before I came to California because I did a yoga teacher training in San Francisco for one month in 2014 before I moved out here to LA. And I met her there amongst other people. And when she also then moved to California and that's how she would have a lot of uh, retreats, a uh, wine retreats. And I cool. would go up to wine country to spend the day and sometimes just do a weekend and go and enjoy really good wine, yoga, lots of really good food. And yeah, it's, it's really nice. Yes, yes, yes. I think it, it, isn't it like a prerequisite to move to California now that you need to be a (laughs) yoga instructor? I mean, is that, (laughs) it's not, (laughs) you know, maybe the um, people who want to be actors in the entertainment industry, I could see that. I could see that, you know, no, that's, that's awesome. There's, there's a lot of, um, you know, potential with wineries, especially vineyards and things like that, investing. I mean, there's, there are so many great opportunities there. Obviously it's a business in and of itself. And a lot of these wineries are are old uh, that have been out there for a long time, but new ones are popping up. And I've actually come across quite a few recently to to be honest, not just in California, but across the country, different investors that are, they're doing like winery resort um, investments. Yeah. So nice. There's some potential. Who knows? Yeah. For now, you never know. I did run across a wine person, but I haven't been able to get a get a hold of them to talk to them about their syndication of vineyards. Oh, we actually just we just talked about that last week in my meetup um, Wednesday ah. night. So, connected, we got one a couple guys. Actually, two there were two different people on my meetup Wednesday night meetup that both oh. own 
like wineries, uh, vineyards. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very nice. It's crazy. It was Very like, nice. You know, the serendipity of just like people, you know, don't have a huge meetup, uh, virtual yeah. meetup. It's like 20, 30 people. And like two happen to be like one in Pennsylvania, one in Texas, and they're both you know, sure. doing wineries. So there were some great conversations uh, coming out of that. But I want to move on and just learn a little more about like your multifamily, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and especially you know, coming from the corporate world, mm-hmm. moving in, a lot of people who are investors or passive mm-hmm. investors, mm-hmm. like what do you see as the things that people are lacking, like in terms of knowledge, in terms of mm-hmm. what they need to know the most about multifamily investing? Because that's mm-hmm. obviously that's something you have experience with. It's something you're going forward, focusing mm-hmm. a lot of your attention on. Uh, right. What is that like a couple of those things that like anyone who might be a passive listener, uh, passive investor, excuse me, listening to this, hopefully yeah. they're active listeners. You're actively listening. Yes. Um, what is, <laughs> what are some of those things you could, you know, kind of, you'd like to t- share with them? Yeah. I think the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, taking the time to look at the returns, you know? So I think three things come to mind. One returns to the operator, of course, which Honestly, the operators first, always. And then three is like communications, getting comfortable with how people communicate to you to be sure that this is the kind of deal you want to be in. But starting with the most important elephant in the room is like, is the operator themselves. I think that, you know, passive investors don't always understand um, what are some of the things that they could do to get comfortable with who the operator is. And sometimes um, people bring deals to you like at the finite hour and it's like, oh, there isn't much time. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of make a decision, Mm -hmm. right? And then there isn't really a lot of time to court this person and get to know them and sort of, you know, yeah, get to know them. So for me, at least, I think that's one of the things that I've sort of you know, focused on is getting out there to get to know people and for them to get to know me in turn, uh, because then that enables you to then, then develop the kind of trust yeah. that also in turn leads to returns and communication. Sure. So to me, I think returns is really important. It shouldn't be the only thing that you look at, but I think it's important to have an idea of like, okay, a class A, B, C, Maybe I I won't even go into D because I don't invest in D's, (laughs) but like understanding that each class is going to have a different return profile. Mm -hmm. So just because the return is like, oh, you see a 6% preferred or you see an IRR that's like 13% versus someone who's projecting a 20% IRR, it doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, the 20% IRR, that's where I need to be. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, what is the risk profile of these two investments? And do they align with the risk profile that I'm willing to take as an investor with my money Mm -hmm. that I've worked hard for? And I think that sometimes, you know, it gets missed because people get caught up with, oh yeah, you know, I need, I want to get like 20% return and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, okay, but do you understand the risk that you're taking, you know, that you're exchanging for, Mm -hmm. um, as a result to try to get that return. And sometimes it might be beneficial to invest in that deal. That is a class 
you know, a B plus or a minus that is giving you a 6% preferred return and a 13 to 14% IRR, you know, because you might have a, an investor, you might have a tenant base that is actually going to pay rent as opposed to some of these other classes where who knows if the tenant is going to pay rent. Uh, So these are some of the things that I think gets, I personally, from talking to investors, I think sometimes get missed in the process. It's like, oh, you know, I need to align the returns to the class of the asset and the risks that I'm taking. And then communication. So, you know, for me, I think that because I come from the corporate world of funds already and, uh, you know, corporation, like big institutional type investors, like I know that you, there's a certain level of communication that goes down um, in terms of what it is that investors can anticipate and expect. And Mm -hmm. as someone who's deploying your money, I think you should really think about that too. Like in terms of asking your, asking questions about like, are you going to be communicating on a monthly basis, you know, giving up property updates? Are you going to on a quarterly basis communicate uh, P&L as well as rent roll, especially p and um, I have spoken to people in the past who are like, oh yeah, you know, we don't provide P&L. But like, I think it's good that you should. Um, and I can give you an example. Like last year in 2019, I invested in my first deal and that deal in is now sold. It was sold earlier in 2021. But, you know, the investment... I could see from looking at the PL each quarter going into 2020 um, and throughout 2020 that the PL was going down. It was, you know, this property was experiencing losses. Mm. So as someone who can read the PL and because I am working with investors that I think are quote unquote most sophisticated because they're typically accountants and finance people. So right. they can read financial statements, yep. um, you know, so they can read this stuff and they can ask the relevant questions. So then it starts to make sense when the operator says, you know, X, Y, Z is going on with the property. You can be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense because like I can look at the numbers and see what's going on. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. I, that's so important. I think it's, it's different for everyone. You know, you, your experience with investors is, you know, they are expecting a certain type of transparency, like you said, especially mm-hmm. on the financial side of things. So I think mm-hmm. when you bring that up, that's, that's super important. Whereas other people might, might not even, you know, they, they might not even know. And I think, <laughs> I think it really does speak to the level of, you know, your investor's sophistication, right? There maybe is a lot of people out there that they, like you said, they're looking at just like one metric, right? They're looking at returns and they may not be looking at the risk profile. They may not be looking at who the operator is even. You know, a lot of people just expect they have a certain um, naivete really uh, more, you know, to lack of a better word. Oh, this person is, uh, you know, doing, buying a $20 million deal. They must be experienced, Right. And the truth of the matter is, hopefully they are. Um, And, you know, but I do know a lot of people that are out there that are are lacking that. And so I'm, I'm no, I'm surprised, um, you know, when I see these type of uh, investors or, you know, operators that are starting out with, with little to no experience 
and just yeah. jumping into these big deals. Um, and so it kind of scares me uh, a little bit. But as you said earlier, a lot of people are looking at those returns, but they're not necessarily looking at the operators and they don't know better until unfortunately they get burned. And, right. And that happened, you know, it happens from time to time. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, um, it's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's a part of the risk of investing. Uh, for the people starting out, though, I think, you know, as long as people are partnering with more, ex- they have some experienced people on their team. I feel that it's, I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. And as long as they have experienced people who have done this kind of work before. Typically, I don't typically have a problem with that. If they're doing it all by themselves, then it can be definitely tricky, you right. know, for sure, without a doubt. So, yeah. Awesome. I mean, listen, this is this has been enlightening. I think uh, you, like I said, you do have a unique kind of perspective coming from the fund and the, the institutional level. But um, but let me, you know, without. Without further ado, I'd love to just transition yeah. out of the final four and the time flies over here. But these are four <laughs> questions I ask all my all my guests. And the first question for you, Lisa, is what is the worst job that you ever had? <laughs> oh man. Like I still can't think of a worse job I've ever had. That's good. So I I have to I have to pass on that one. You're gonna pass. Okay. Well, I don't think we've ever had a pass. <laughs> but listen, there's a first time for everything. <laughs> okay, so let's 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 flip it. What's the best job you ever had? I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. Um, you know, I think the best job has been right now because this is a job. Like building my business is definitely a job, and I love this time. That's awesome. Um, it's just been really amazing, and yeah, like. Whatever happens in the next 12 months, you know what? I have no regrets because I I signed up to play full out and I will. I will play full out, create all my stuff, get out there, build, and, you know, whatever happens, we'll see. But, you know, at least I know that I've put through the best I could and, and you know, gave it my all. So, that's yeah. awesome. Well, yeah. there you go. I mean, that's really important. If you know, to see the passion, to see just really the, more than anything, the mindset, right? When you are enjoying yourself and yeah. then you're going to have fun, you're <laughs> going to, you know, give off that kind of positive energy to everyone else that joins you along the way in, yeah. in the business that you're creating and you are creating a business, right? It's, yes. it's kind of ground up right now, but, uh, you know, it's inc- exciting to see where this will lead in the next, uh, and, you know, <laughs> if we come back and ask this question in a few years, hopefully, you know, the, the answer will stay the same. Yes, we'll see. <laughs> exactly. So second question, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Ooh, um, two books. The first one is Who Not How. Um, and I touched on it a little bit mm-hmm. when I was talking about like investing, uh, but reading that book has been instrumental for me uh, because anytime I am faced with procrastination, so anything that is sitting on my plate for, it keeps carrying over and carrying over, I, it suggests to me that I need to think about getting a who to help me. That is what for me it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is the 12 week year. The 12-week year, just amazing. It's a part of the the way in which I see my life in quarters. Uh, so what the 12-week year teaches is you set three goals for the quarter, only three, no more than three. 
and you have tactics for those goals. Uh, so you measure whether you execute on the tactics or not. Hmm. And then you have your lagging indicators. So your lagging indicators are what happens as a result of you showing up. You can't control the lagging indicators, but you can control your leading indicators, which are some of the tactics, which can be t- to your tactics or not. Oh. But for me, I just keep the leading and the tactics to be the same. So it's easier wow. to measure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, that's, I've never really looked at measuring, uh, <laughs> measuring time like that, um, yeah. or, or, uh, even goals or, uh, executing things and lagging indicators. Something like that. That's fascinating. So definitely going to put that on my reading list. I uh, will put it in the show notes over here, the 12 week, 12 week year, year. Yeah. and who not how, and who not how. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are definitely two that are going on my list over there, um, yeah. which is ever growing week to week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure. That's, they sound really interesting. I'd love to to check those out. So third question for you, and this could be anything open-ended, mm-hmm. but it is what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Mm. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, I think skiing. Nice. I don't know how to ski, and I've tried a couple times. But I've not been very good. And I think you were in uh, the Best Ever Conference in 2020 in, um, up in Keystone. Maybe. I can't remember if I, I saw wasn't. you there or not. I wasn't. Okay. I was just there in spirit. But uh, I, okay. didn't make, I didn't make the real, <laughs> the real thing. So in, they had, in 2020, it was in like early February, they had the Best Ever Conference up in Keystone, which is a big resort ski town uh and the mountains were huge i remember looking at them thinking wow it'd be amazing to ski those but you know i didn't grow up skiing so you know coming from the islands we don't really have snow in those big mountains yeah and and in la you don't have much either i mean yeah you know and mammoth oh mammoth yeah mammoth yeah so not too far not too far but one day there you go one day one day there you go. All right. Maybe awesome. when I come back, I'll have that sorted too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So Very good. good. All right. So fourth and final question is going to be, what does success mean to you? Uh, success means to me hmm, a couple things. Uh, the first is being able to spend 80 to 90% of my time doing work in my unique ability. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Because a lot of that, when you are playing in your unique ability, you are so alive in life and so magnetic and so powerful. It's just so amazing. And from that space, I feel like people can create so much, not just for themselves, but in terms of even impacting other people to be inspired to find their unique ability and to play in their unique ability. Because if we're all playing in what we're really good at doing, Mm -hmm. uh, I feel that it provides a lot of space, room, and abundance for people to, you know, really show up in the world and do the things that they're called to do at this deeper level. So, yeah, I think that for me is like, that's success is being able to be in that space. 
That's awesome. Truly. Yeah. And I'll say right now, I'm not a hundred percent in that space because I'm in startup mode. So I have to do a lot of different things Mm -hmm. that are not necessarily a part of my unique ability, but it's a part of what I need to do now in this phase of my business in order to get to the place where I then have the ability to then hire people to help in those areas. Right. But it all comes with time. And I think that's how I also saw working at the job I, you know, at specifically at the job I was at before, it was like, there were a lot of, there were a lot of things that were, I was capable, you know, were a part of my unique ability, but then there were a lot of things that I had to do that were not a part of my unique ability. And, you know, I, I did that. Like, so I feel that I also want to share that don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, like you, you have to do certain things, especially in the early part of your journey to then get to a place where you can probably focus more of your time. And I didn't say a hundred percent. I did say like 80 to 90. So I do recognize I still have to do some of this other stuff. Of course. And I think part of that whole journey is figuring that out, right? We, Mm -hmm. most of us, don't ever, or spend a long time, I, I would say don't ever, but spending a really long time figuring out what it is that we're actually really good at and really enjoy doing, and then can yeah. find a way to spend our, you know, 80-90% of our time doing that um, in a fruitful and productive way that, you know, can be setting our life in, in the right direction. I think that's what, uh, I think that's why so many people are miserable in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in their, you know, careers and jobs and that. People just are not, don't know I, I would put it at that, frankly, that people just don't know that they yeah. have they have the ability to do what it yeah. is that they love to do and make money doing it. Of course. Of course. You know, I, I know we're at the end, but I want to share that, you know, I didn't always know that podcasting and real estate investing was my space. It was when I met someone who then through her... I got exposed to real estate syndication. And at first I was like, wow, I didn't really know that people could do this. Even mm-hmm. though I worked in spaces where pretty much is real estate syndication, I just didn't know that people could, regular people could do it. And then through her, I got introduced to a program uh, where it was like the power of seven. And it was like, it explored like podcasting and YouTube and blogs and all these things. And it was through that program that got me exposed to podcasting and video. Uh, like I never didn't, I didn't see myself like doing this kind of stuff <laughs> until I had the experience doing, you know, granted I paid to get the experience sure. to do this. But I think that I don't know what book I've read, but I did read some book that talked about how like they encourage parents to help their children to experiment in so many different things because it sort of helps the child to like explore and discover some of these other talents that might Mm -hmm. be in them. And I truly believe that, yeah, we have a lot of adult people walking around who have a lot of buried talents that have not been, have been unutilized and not used. So it feels like as though it's like not something that they could do, but if they were to develop it, they could be pretty brilliant. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure uh, speaking with you today. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Yeah. One-stop shop, lisahilton.com. And that's Hilton, like the hotel, only thing with a Y. 
And I do have a free ebook. It's the beginner's guide to real estate syndication. Same thing, lisahilton.com forward slash ebook. Super simple. There you go. So, yeah. And we'll make sure to put that in the show notes for anyone who uh, is driving right now. Um, you know, don't, <laughs> don't try to type it in your phone. We'll put the link for you. Uh, and you can come back to this and, uh, hope to, like I said, check back in a, in a little yes. while and see, see how things are going. And I appreciate you taking the time today. All right. Thank you so much, Yona. I appreciate it. And to all of our listeners, remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick. I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.